Grab your hard seltzer, a glass of wine, or a shot of tequila. It's time for Girl Talk. Let's get real. All right. Welcome to episode 21. 21. So ex- I know. So excited. So uh, before we get started, as usual, we'll roll over to Cheryl. What are you drinking? So I went away from the Texas drinks, which I feel like I've been on a roll with lately, but I went to, uh, to HEB, still props to Texas, love that place. And they had a case of, uh, of Sonic hard seltzers. And I was so excited because I love Sonic's cherry limeade and they have cherry limeade and lemonade and a couple other flavors. I don't have it in front of me right now, but, um, I was so excited to try it. So I am drinking the Sonic hard seltzer cherry limeade right now. And it's not my favorite. I love, love, (laughs) love their cherry limeade, but the seltzer itself just doesn't have the same flavor. It's very much um, water with a teeny little bit of cherry and a teeny or even so bit of lime in it. So um, I will agree with this. Yeah, you've tried I've it, right? And you didn't I've love it? Them. No, and actually, it which is funny because this is our first episode where we talk about how we didn't love a drink. Yeah, that's true. We've liked um, pretty much everything, right? Yes. and But I have to say, Sonic, just you need you need a little more dash of flavor in there because I tried them. And, um, my, my girls were over who were all legal, um, for legal reasons. Um, <laughs> my, my, <laughs> my, my girls are over and we tried them. And I got to be honest, after the first drink, it was so bad that we squirted Neo in them. Oh, that's a good flavor. thought. Yeah. Yeah. They just yeah. do not have a lot of flavor. And I, like I knew it was a, a seltzer, so it definitely will have that, you know, like sparkling water taste to it, but it just didn't like, if I didn't know it was supposed to be cherry limeade, I could not tell you it was cherry limeade. It is less flavor than like a white claw or a truly like it, oh, it for literally sure. is like, like the fruit kind of went into the drink <laughs> <laughs> and that's all. It is. That is so <laughs> true. That is so true. Yes. Like uh, just because you breathe your strawberry breath into it. it doesn't <laughs> that at good. all. Yeah. I, I definitely uh, don't think I'll buy them again. If I want to uh, combine Sonic with alcohol, I'll just buy a cherry limeade and dump some vodka or rum into it. I think that would be really good. But, uh, but the seltzer is not my favorite. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. What about you? What are you drinking tonight? I'm mixing it up too, which is funny. <laughs> that is funny. We didn't plan this. Which is so um, funny because sometimes we're drinking the exact same thing and tonight we're both mixing it up. Right. So I am actually drinking a um, Josh Chardonnay. So <laughs> oh. I'm, I'm drinking a wine tonight, uh, a glass of wine tonight because it was a very hard day at work <laughs> and I just needed a glass of wine to get, to get me through. I'm sorry, <laughs> but I do feel like maybe we need to, to rename this episode, like the slightly buzzed divorced ladies. Yeah. <laughs> it just sounds better with Chardonnay. 
I, I love, love the Josh um, Malbec. Oh my God. It is so good. Is that a kind of, is Malbec a kind of wine? Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I know my rums. I know my vodkas. I know my tequilas. <laughs> I know zero about wine. I have been to a couple okay. wineries because in Michigan, in Northern Michigan, we have some pretty decent wineries. So I yeah. have tasted some wines, but I, I definitely don't know what a Malbec is. It is my favorite red wine. It's okay. not a, it's not an extremely sweet wine but it's not an extremely dry wine either. Okay. So it's kind of like that perfect blend in the middle um, to me. So uh, there, there are wines, like I will not drink a dry wine. A dry no, wine. I don't like dry wines. Yeah. They, where that feels like they just suck the spit out of your mouth. Uh-uh. Yeah. And overly sweet. Then you have a terrible, no matter how many glasses you have, you have a terrible hangover in that morning. So um, a Malbec just has the perfect finish and it, it is a really good bottle of, or a glass of red wine. Huh. Okay. I have n- never heard of it, mm-hmm. but now I've learned something new. I have yeah. had a couple wines at wineries. And then um, when I went to Italy, I definitely drank enough wine for probably like 10 years because oh, yeah. wine is not only amazingly delicious over there but it's so cheap we would get um so my my roommate and I would um get a bottle of wine and sit down at a cafe and split it I don't know if that's a normal thing to do or not but we did that several times and it, it was like three or four dollars at the grocery store yeah amazing oh, yeah. Wine. yeah so uh, so I had some really good wine in Italy um but yeah oh, as far as drinking it by choice I just don't normally do that yeah it is first since I started drinking again after I I left my religion I will say that all the other drinks are my like the fun drinks like they're like you know having a good day I think I'll have a seltzer you know type thing Uh wine is my it's like my comfort drink when I when I've had a hard day need a drink and, you know, need to, like, it's my emotional drink. It's my comfort drink. It's my go-to whenever it's a hard day. So I have a couple of friends like and that. Usually it's, usually it's a red wine, but tonight all I had was a Chardonnay because I've drank all my wine. <laughs> <laughs> Been a little rough lately, has it? <laughs> I should tell you how my year's going. <laughs> Yahoo! Well, hey, at least you're, at least you're drinking some good wine. Yes. We are going, this is kind of like a dual part episode where we're going to kind of address two, two topics under the same umbrella. Basically. It is. Yeah. We were going to do these in two different episodes, but then when we started discussing them, it just made sense that they actually ultimately fit under the same umbrella, even though they are two different topics. I feel like the overarching topic is the same. Yes, I, I fully agree. And basically, it, this is kind of a social media type episode where, um, well, we can, we can just get into the first topic and then that will naturally lead us into the second one. But oh, yeah, for we're, sure. we're discussing, we're discussing um, social media and the way we portray 
uh, we'll begin by discussing the way we portray our lives on social media. And um, I know that in the discussion planning this, we talked about, we got into really deep conversation about um, not only the way our, you know, you and I portray ourselves in social media and there was some uh-huh. realization there, but also how we see others that we know and love and how they portray themselves on social media, knowing that we know that it that's not reality. The rest of the story. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think that in retrospect, I notice it so much in my friends now because I did it myself for so long. I opened my Facebook in 2008 or 2009. And I would say for a good, probably six or seven years until, until my mom passed probably like for that whole time, my Facebook was full of just the happy stuff, you know, all the, the great memories, the happy, and and not that that was a lie necessarily, but I just wasn't completely transparent with with my entire life. It was just like, here, let me highlight the good stuff. Oh, we're at Disney world. Let me show you how great that is. Oh, we're all having a fun time doing this. Let me show you how great that is. But, but then I didn't balance it out with the shitty things going on in my life. And I just, I don't know, I guess maybe because social media is new and I just didn't think it was a place to air all my dirty laundry. And I I definitely don't, want to advocate that it's a place to put everything out there, but still, you know, if I was having a a bad day or going through something bad, I didn't necessarily put that out there either. And I, I remember a few times when I did put some more negative things on there that I, I really felt weird about it because I, you know, social media is the place where you put all your happy stuff, where we all show each other how perfect our lives are. And so, right. yeah, like I, I think to, uh, to my heart surgery and so many people didn't know I was even having heart surgery because I didn't put it on social media because again, that's where you put the happy stuff. But then my ex-husband posted something about, you know, my surgery went well and, and I was in recovery and everything. And, and so many people that I don't talk to on a daily basis or don't see in person were like, wait, what there is heart surgery. What's going on here? But it just never occurred to me to post that part of my life because it, it's just, I don't know. I feel like it's a learning curve because it's so new for, especially our generation that didn't grow up with it, you know? Right. Our generation also grew up with the kind of the older, older women where you don't air your dirty laundry. So true. You know, you, you are very protective of your, your dirty laundry in quotes mm-hmm. because I think Miranda Lambert song where, you know, she has this one song that is absolutely the depiction of how I was raised, where you put on your makeup and you put on your fake smile and, you know, you hide your crazy and, you know, and by crazy, I'm putting crazy in quotes, you know, right, right, because right. then stress and anxiety and trauma and all of the stuff that comes from real life situations that knock you on your ass that brings out, you know, back then they called it crazy. You know, if oh, you, yeah. did, if you ha- showed any kind of, you know, emotions toward it, then that was you just being crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Our generation was definitely taught to, to hide all of that. And so when social media came around, it was like, 
and I still catch myself doing it. And there is a caveat that I'll get to, but I, I still catch myself when someone overshares on social media and like goes really into their personal life. And I think, you know, and it's not that I'm judging them, but I kind of am at the same time where I'm just like, Oh, I wouldn't put all that out there. And, uh-huh. you know, like it, it's, it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword. Like you, a lot of us, we only connect to our friends over social media because you know, life has changed and right. we don't have those Sunday, Sunday get togethers in our families and all of that. Like we used to when, when we were growing up, but uh-huh. I, the caveat to that is that I think there is a, an appropriate way to put yourself out there on social media. And then there's a just overly dramatic, inappropriate way, you know, to put yourself out there on social media. Um, I, I know all kinds of people, you know, I know right. both types of people do that. So there is a fine line to it. And I know we're all navigating it, especially our generation. Uh-huh. Um, I know our kids probably cringe at some of the shit that we post um, <laughs> or that they see. I know they're just like, oh, geez, here she goes again. Right. But right. I mean, we are trying to learn it. You know what I mean? Right. Well, yeah. And I I think uh, the pendulum has definitely swung the other way where we spent a good decade just putting the the happy points out there. But then it's caused this. I don't even know what to call it. It's caused kind of this issue, for lack of a better word, that that some people are now under the assumption that a lot of their friends that they don't talk to on a daily basis that they just keep up with on social media aren't suffering or aren't having bad days or aren't going through anything because we only put the happy stuff on there. So then that leads to this like cycle where like, Oh shit, well, you know, my marriage sucks right now, but I I don't really want to talk about it on social media because a, is it even appropriate to talk about something like that? B, apparently I'm the only one in the whole world having this issue because nobody else is talking about it. So yeah, it's, I I feel like we're, we're in a learning curve. A lot of us, especially with our generation where, like you said, you don't want to overshare. You don't want to put like, you know, I, I caught, so-and-so sleeping with so-and-so and and, like you don't need all the dirty details and people do that shit you don't want to get it oh yes it does yes it does yeah and and you know you don't want to swing the pendulum all the way over where you're like giving all the details but at the same time I think we need to find that sweet spot where it's okay to say you know yeah like this sucks right now and and I, I feel like I found that spot you know, because as I've said in, in previous episodes, I had like a one, two, three with my mom's passing, my dad's passing, and then my divorce. And I just, I couldn't fake it anymore. I was like, you know, for people who didn't know me, they at least knew that I had posted that my parents had passed. And then I, I I tried to keep my divorce kind of quiet just because it was tumultuous and it didn't need to be aired out. But but they knew something was going on. So I think I, I tried to find that sweet spot. And now I'm more comfortable, you know, if I'm, if it's like my, my parents anniversary recently passed and 
I posted it and, you know, it's not meant to make anyone feel uncomfortable. And I'm sure there are people that are like, oh, geez, you know, that is uncomfortable. But for the most part, it's just like, like not all days are great. Today's my parents' anniversary. I'm missing them. I'm going to post it. And it is what it is, you know. I think you, you're definitely onto something there where we're all in this learning curve, except for this younger generation that was born and, and grew up with internet. You know, they, mm-hmm. they kind of did it a little bit better. It, it's kind of swung in, in a way that's rather unhealthy. And we, we discussed this where everyone puts this, I'm going to say it, bullshit life on social yeah. media where everyone you know, they've got, they've got the, they literally make their Instagram to where it's aesthetically pleasing. You know, everything is like Disney world trip. And, um, even at the grocery store, that is the same aesthetic as the Disney world trip. And, you know, the, the, it's just one happy, happy, happy thing after another. And yes, that is, yes, that celebrate the good things. But the problem with that is that then someone who is there's two problems with that. Remind me, there's two problems with that. Someone who isn't in a good place looks at all of this happiness of, you know, the people in their lives. And it's like, they don't measure up and nothing, they, they look at their own life and they're like, nothing in my life is remotely that happy. And so it sends them into an even darker place because all of that is bullshit. You know, you know that hard days happen in those people's lives. They just don't share it. They just don't post about it. They just don't tell it. They right. literally wake up, especially people with, especially people with a lot of followers and they, you know, make their money or they, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. Drunk Door Stevens does that. You know, every post is a positive top post or an encouraging top post. However, you and I have really bad fucking days. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and, but on our private social media, we might, like you said, we might have a sad day. We might share it. We, but for the most part, it's, everything is so aesthetically pleasing. It's bullshit. Right. It's absolutely. And so for someone that's struggling, they see all that and then they struggle even more. They plummet even more because they're constantly measuring themselves. And the flip to that is, and I'm not saying everybody, let me just say that, but a lot of them that I know are constantly sharing these happy, this happiness and creating this beautiful aesthetic and and pretend life on social media. And I know that their life isn't exactly all of what they're Exactly. Um, they're posting what they're they're putting out there. And I think that's harmful in and of itself because I also watch them then not address right the bad parts of their lives because they've got all of these followers that are hyping them up and oh you've got this wonderful life and they're living vicariously through this fake ass fucking life that they've created. Right. And ignoring the bullshit. But when I talk to them or my friends talk to them or the people that know them talk to them, or my family talks to them their life is really fucking hard. Right. But it doesn't match up to what you're portraying. Like, why can't you just be real with people? And I'm not saying be a, a martyr and, oh, woe was me on every post, but 
every once in a while, throw in a realistic post about, you know what, today wasn't such a great day. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it right. wasn't a, we went to Disney world day. We had, you know, we look beautiful and perfect as we went shopping at, you know, the grocery store. Today was a really hard day. I couldn't even get out of the house and this is my reality or whatever the issue is. Right. Be real. The problem is you're creating this pretend world on social media and you're living in it. Right. And there's collateral damage, whether it's collateral damage in your own life or collateral damage in your followers who won't then won't deal with their own life. I, I and I think a little bit of both. And I th- I think it's really important to distinguish that there are definitely people who prefer to just use social media to highlight fun stuff in their lives. And do they have shitty days? Sure. Are they private about it? Yeah. And that's fine. Uh, but that's very different than the per the type of person you're talking about where they are painting a picture that life is beautiful and wonderful and great and unicorns and rainbows when that is not the reality at all. And then therefore painting a lie. And as you said, living vicariously through that lie when, I don't know, maybe they do believe it, but when they probably don't even believe it themselves, you know, like why? Or they become, or they become so infatuated with, their this persona that they've created on the yes. internet that they ignore the fact and they never handle the the issues in their life it's like right. they completely separate it which is dangerous in and of itself you know as well so oh sure sure like they're trying so hard to prove that everything is beautiful that that becomes their all consuming social media time instead of maybe even stepping away from social media a little bit and just dealing with the reality of what your life is instead of pretending for everyone else that that it's something that it isn't. I have a couple of friends who do that too. And, you know, I know the behind the scenes story and I know that that things aren't great for them right now. And that's that's fine if you don't want to put that on social media. Nobody's trying to say that that you should be obligated to air your stuff anywhere you don't want to air it. But you also don't need to spend so much time trying to prove that you're fine and that you're happy and that everything's great if you're really not, because that does just lead to that cycle where then other people around you are like, oh, well, they're, they're fantastic. They're great. So then it gives a false impression to other people. It, it paints this portrait of, portrait of fake happiness and makes other people feel like, oh, well, am I the only one that is going through shit? You know, am I the only one who's not happy in the world right now? And then they're less likely to share. Yes. Then, then they become less likely to share. Exactly. And that's the slope as well. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And then, and then we're just all living in this like fake utopia where everybody's fine and everything's fine, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. Like when my parents passed and I put both of, you know, their passing on Facebook, I had so many people come to me in real life and, and talk to me about that and tell me how awful, you know, it was when they lost their mom or their dad and, 
how miserable they were and how sad they still are. And those just aren't things that you normally read about on social media. So it's hard to believe, not to believe, that's not the right word. It's hard to understand that other people are feeling the same as you because you just don't read about it. You know, you're like, everybody else is happy, except I'm crying myself to sleep at night, you know? Yeah, exactly. And meanwhile, you're all bright and shiny on the internet, but your life may be super dark. Mm -hmm. And, you know, but because you're so focused on that, that you you almost treat that as your therapy. Well, yes. yes. Yeah. Social media becomes your therapy and you just tend to, you know, not deal with your own life. And I actually experienced that firsthand where after my divorce, um, I, you know, me, uh, I'm one of those that I'm super fucking blunt and honest until shit hits the fan in my life. And then when shit hits the fan in my life, I ghost everybody and I go super private uh-huh. because and, and to me, that's my, that's my, um, uh, defense mechanism. That's my survival mode. Right. And I know a lot of people listening to this will be like, no, you're the, you're the feisty outspoken one, but not when I'm in my darkest moments, not when I'm under attack, when I, when my life is under attack and, and I'm, my ship is sinking, I am, that's when I'm not like, I, disappear from everything. Mm -hmm. People check on me and I do the, I'm fine. You know, all of that. Um, Oh, I'm fine. Everything's fine. No, everything's rosy. But inside I may be texting you that while I'm crying in my closet, you know, contemplating things like it's in 2017, it was, I got divorced or I separated in 2015 and 2017. I had, it was two years after I had spent a year of, you know, I I briefly have talked about a year of shit. Like it was a really, really hard separation. We both dropped our baskets, but one of us really dropped their Mm -hmm. basket. And that was a really hard year. And when things kind of started to normalize a little bit, I, I never dealt with all the trauma that I went through that year. And I had, I had, like just kind of said, oh, you know, okay, well, at least we're through that. But I never dealt with the the pain that it caused me and the scars that it left on me. Like it, it traumatized me. And in 2017, I went through five horrendous things back to back to back to back. Like it was, it was like five terrible things from the time of, um, I think it was July to no, maybe even June. It was like June to October was like five really terrible things that I didn't share on social media Mm -hmm. and rightfully so, you know, that was my business. Right. But because I was already in a very low spot and pretending not to be when those five traumatic things happened to me over those few months, I spiraled. I mean, absolutely fucking spiraled and around it it was coming into the holidays. And, you know, they say that the holidays are the most depressing times of the year. And and I truly believe that I truly believe that there's a reason why, you know, um, suicide awareness is 
really high during that time because, you know, check in on those people who are alone or Mm -hmm. who are without their kids for the first time or, you know, struggle mentally, all of those things. Um, The holidays were coming upon us. And for the first time ever, I, since, well, not ever, I'm going to take that back. For the first time since I was young, like late teen, you know, teens, um, I contemplated not being in this world. I contemplated ending it all. I, I was, I was too broken to, to, to really go on at that point, but I had not shared it with anybody and I had not put it out there. And I was felt too much shame to ever put it out there. And I remember thinking, and and it's a true, true story. Uh When I hear people say that they, they contemplate suicide and their kids, the thought of their children is what saved them because (laughs) and in that moment, I can honestly say that if I didn't have kids and I didn't have the thought of what is that going to do to them after, you know, yeah, I I may find peace after. And and I, I was willing to face my maker because I was too tired and I couldn't go on. But what, what would that do to my kids? And I remember in that moment, my kids and the thought of what that would do to them saved me. And I didn't have, I didn't have real life friends because I had done my thing where I secluded myself and ghosted everybody. So I went to my Facebook page and I posted this very long post and said, Hey, I'm struggling. And I put it all out there. And I had never done that. And I just put it out there. Wow. And the response was absolutely overwhelming. Um, To this day, it comes up yearly and I reread it and then read the responses because it reminds me how so many other people were going through the exact same thing or had gone through the same thing. And could relate. And I I suddenly had people to talk to about it. Like I suddenly had a village, wow. a community. And I did, whereas just hours before that, days before that, I thought I was absolutely alone. And a lot of those people that reached out and commented and talked me through those that really hard time were people who were living an aesthetically pleasing life on social media. Hmm. And since then have started being more real too. And I'm not saying that I changed them. I'm just saying like we all came together in that moment. And a lot of us realized like we got to, we got to do better for ourselves. Yeah. We, and we got to do better for other people out there that might be, living vicariously through us. Like, are we, are we giving them a real life to live vicariously through? Are we giving them bullshit that they can't measure up to? Right. And that when they hit that wall, they don't know where to go. Wow. Yeah. And we weren't speaking during that time. So I, I had no idea you were going through all of that, but I'm glad that you posted it and I'm glad that you found a community to, to talk you through that. And that's important. I, I, 
I feel like that out of, out of all of the things in life, I feel like that has to be one of the most important to understand that other people have felt that way because I am, I've, I've been heavily depressed, but luckily I've never been suicidal, but I can imagine that when you are in that mind frame, it must feel like no one else understands that understands where no. your head is, you know? And you're embarrassed. You're embarrassed that you're thinking it. You're, and like I said, you know, my, the thought of my children was the only thing that pulled me through that because someone, someone who has suicidal thoughts, they honest to God, like they, they physically don't have the strength to endure anymore. Like they're, they're just, they would do anything, even something that, that, finite that that you know grand to to have release like that's what it feels like in that moment it's just like the the act is something that actually feels like there's all you can see is there's peace on the other side it all ends and that is that is bigger than anything else Except for the fact that in that moment, my kids were bigger than even that release. My, my kids were bigger than that piece. And that's what, that's what got me to endure and, and reach out for help. And it's tough. It's tough to admit that. I'm sure. I'm sure. And, and I'm sad that I wasn't there for you during that. But not that you would have even, you know, reached out because I know that's a very private thing to feel, but, but I'm sad that you didn't even, you know, have the option. Well, here, I'll make us laugh. The reason why I didn't have the option is because I was a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't have the option because I ran you off. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but look at us now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Kids are an amazing thing. Like my kids, and I'm not saying my kids are more amazing than anybody else's, but they, I can literally now say that they, you know, have saved my life because that was just one of those things that I could not get them out of my head. And, and I don't know if, you know, I do believe in God and, you know, I I've left my religion, but I do believe in God. Uh-huh. And I don't know if, if he knows what a sucker I am, a sap I am for my children. And, you know, he was just like constantly putting them in my head, you know, basically battering me with them. Like, because the thought of them would not leave my mind that night when I was at my lowest. Thank God, you know, literally. So. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. Literally. And I'm sorry. It's I'm okay. so sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Don't be sorry. My goodness. You know, I, I just, once I start, I need a minute to like compose myself. No, don't be sorry. But it just, it's amazing. The love that we have for our children and the, the ability to see beyond ourselves, even at the most painful, painful time of our lives, and to still ultimately care more about them and 
what we want for them over anything else. And yeah, yeah, that is, I think the most special thing about being a parent is uh, just that, that you want for their well-being and their happiness more than your own always, you know. Always. Yeah. Always. Even when they're mad at you. Even when they're little shit. Even when <laughs> always. You want to strangle them. It, you still want them just to be happy. Yeah. And, and healthy and you would do anything. And, and, you know, I say I don't judge, but at the end of the day, I, I'm again, brutally honest. I don't get parents that can't put their kids before themselves. Yeah. I, I, I can't even fathom being that kind of person. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't get that either because I, while I've luckily never been suicidal, I've been very, very depressed and just you know to the point where I just couldn't wrap my head around anything getting out of bed or you know anything showering getting dressed anything like that but but wanting to be better for my kids kept me going and how do you not I don't know how do you not want that say how do you look into those eyeballs whether they're little or whether they're grown and not want to be your best for them right and it's not always possible but at least you the desire is there and and I mean I'm still gonna fuck up but the the desire is to be the best I can be for my children like I'm still human I'm still yeah yeah yeah. right I'm 47 but that doesn't mean I fucking know everything like I'm still going to fuck up but at the end of the day, like my kids are my everything. Right. Everything. No, no, no. And, and it, by no means are we going to get it right. I mean, we're, especially when curveballs are thrown at you, like we don't, we don't know what we're doing any more than our kids do, except for that. We have a few years experience on them, you know, I, I think there's this idea that as parents, we're supposed to be all knowing and, mm-hmm. and and so knowledgeable about how to handle things, but we're just, we're just kids with a few years under our belts. And it doesn't mean we know what we're doing. We're just figuring it out as we go. But at the same time, when you bring a life into this world, you, in my opinion, then put that life before yours always, always, always. And it yeah. does. It does continually blow my mind that some people don't do that for for their children. Yes, and, and I will to to kind of bring this back because I probably got us off topic, but no, to bring it back, like it it pains me to know that that this topic that we're talking about that our our children are living in that that reality of everything they compare themselves to is bullshit on the, you know, on social media, every person, every lifestyle, every relationship, every, you know, hashtag relationship goals. Well, yeah, the whole, the whole hashtag relationship goals. I've used that hashtag, but at the end of the day, 
relationship goals are are different for every person and they're they're not you know a lot of those things the way it's used isn't realistic you know um i i once who was it i i'll have to find the source inside it but there's a comedian and he 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 made a joke but there was a lot of truth to it where marriage is just like basically saying you know yeah okay <laughs> you know like it, it's it's basically just a series of compromises and and kind of all right days you know like you have your highs and lows but marriage isn't all of this beautiful bliss and relationships isn't this, you know, Oh, look at this picture of us in Greece, you know, and (laughs) perfectly executed. And she's a, you know, drop dead gorgeous. And he's drop dead gorgeous. That's not, that's not reality. And, and unfortunately social media has played into that for our children where they grew up around really, really, staged reality. Yeah. It's kind of like the, and I'm not saying it's exactly the same, but it's kind of like the um, magazines of our day, you know, like everything was Photoshopped and everything was, was fake and nobody actually looked like what they looked like in the pictures, but we went with it because we knew like, we knew it wasn't exactly like that, but we were like, okay, whatever. This is, this is what's being fed to us. And I I feel like now it's the same kind of idea, just they get it so much faster and it's so much more volume than we did. It's just everywhere. Oh my gosh. It's everywhere. Yeah. So, but because they've grown up with it, they also have a better Mm -hmm. idea of of the reality of it, I think. Not all of them, but I think as, some as of them. I think it depends on the individual, mm-hmm. on the individual, because I know, I know so many girls. I mean, that's the reason why eating disorders went up. That's the reason, reason why teen suicide went up and tween suicide went up. And, you Cosmetic know, uh, surgery. Oh my gosh. Anxiety and, you know, all of that went up because now you're constantly, you're not just exposed to models and famous people. You're exposed to the popular girls in school and you're exposed to, you know, just, you know, everyday people who aren't so everyday on their social media, you know, influencers. Yeah. Like, would you have ever imagined, you know, 15 years ago that, that people would, that, that, that would be a job title, like that people would, make a living out of influencing other people just by what they post on social media. No, it's, it, it is actual, actually like mind blowing that that is a thing and that they make money and they make damn good money. Every one of their pictures are perfectly staged and perfectly placed and perfectly you know, filtered and, you know, they, they go in for hours and hours and, you know, have all of these apps that, you know, okay, make my butt, you know, pull my butt out here and push my waist in here, smooth my belly here. And, you know, it's just, it's hard for me at 47 to look at that and go, 
you know, oh, the, I, my body doesn't look like that. It, now picture a 13-year-old in middle school or right. a 12-year-old trying, you know, trying to do that as well. Yeah. There are some people that are listening to this. Well, my 12-year-old doesn't have social media. Well, you're not the norm. And I'm proud of you and good for you, mama and daddy. But at the end of the day, most 12-year-olds have social media. And yeah. And sidebar, right. just because you think they don't have it doesn't mean jack shit. Because <laughs> I taught middle oh. school for many, many years. And I can't tell you how many kids have private accounts that their parents have no idea about. Zero yep. idea. Yeah. Zero. Yeah. Oh, and TikTok? Oh. oh. Call me Karen. Call me Peggy. Call me whatever you want. I... Like I, there was a couple of little girls that were being followed by a, a known sex offender. Um, someone exposed him and I went into who he was following. There was a lot of 12, 13, 14, 15 year old girls who were doing terrible dances on their TikToks, terrible dances. Like, oh my gosh. Some of it was for a stage with a pole. Like, <gasps> it was terrible. Like I felt uncomfortable seeing this child doing that dance. I wanted to say, where's your mother? Does she know you have a TikTok? But I reached out to him and said, hey, sweetheart, <laughs> you have That's a known sex offender following you. And every single one of them, maybe three of them was like, read it and then just like left it one of them was rude but most of them were like oh my gosh okay but then the next day a dirty little dance you know tiktok dance was up as well so oh my gosh it, it really makes me wonder is your mother following you like no no i can't yeah. tell you again i will revert back to uh to my teaching I can't tell you how many of my middle school students told me that either A, their parents had no idea that they had a, whatever social media, Snapchat, TikTok, whatever it is, or that B, they, they don't know how to use it. Their parents don't know how to use it. And that's when I got Snapchat. When my girls got Snapchat, I got Snapchat because I wanted to know what the hell it was about. But at least I knew like the premise of uh, what it was and what was going on and yeah. So yeah. parents, if there are any of you listening out there and you have tweens, you need to have an open and honest conversation with them about social media because it is, trust me, it's better that they talk to it, talk about it to you and learn things from you than to rely on their peers because it is a shit show. What's and going if on you out don't there? Have it, it, if you do have kids that age, and you're just like, oh, I don't mess with social media. It's a, that's a huge disservice to your children yes. because now you have no idea what the latest trends are. You have no idea how something works. You have no idea what they're doing on there. Yep. And yeah, mm, yeah, you, I, you can't be ignorant to that kind of thing. You have to be informed because uh, the number of unfortunate stories that I've experienced where the parents that just had no clue. And, and I'm not talking, I mean, obviously serious things can happen, but I'm talking more along the line of like 
nudes being sent and then forwarded to the entire school, you know, things along that line, which are detrimental to a kid that age. And the parents had no clue in so many occasions, no clue that that's what, you know, innocent little little Snapchat's being used for. And I feel like kids need to be able to talk to their parents about that to understand what's okay and what's not okay, because that is a lot of information available at their fingertips all at once when, uh, when they hit that age. Yeah. Oh yes. And their little brains, we, we learned this through science. It's a proven fact that their little brains aren't even fully developed until they're into their early twenties right. and you, you know, sometimes 25 and you're expecting a 12 year old, a 13 year old, a 14 year old, a 15 year old to deal with all of this, to open up their Snapchat and get a random dick pic yep. and, or, or feel like they are pressured into and feel like they're, they're going to be cool. And, Oh, well, this guy really loves me. So I'm going to send them my private parts. And the next thing you know, it's screenshot or he opens it in front of a room full of friends and now everyone's seen it. And yeah, he, it happens he, yeah. all the time, all the time, all the, all time. the time. And yeah. do not think that your child is immune, even if the, you raise them in a very strict religion, because there's a reason why the big joke in my former religion was I, like, I, I would say to parents, you do know what docking is? No. And I'm like, that's the Mormon thing where they think that if he puts his penis in and doesn't move it and just docks it there, that that's not sex. Or there's a thing in, in uh, my religion that was a, a phrase among the young people, oral is moral, because you didn't actually have sex. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of these Mormon moms were like, no, my daughter, my son. Oh, okay. That's who I heard it from. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. that is, I think the biggest mistake in over the years that I've learned from, from a lot of my students' parents that, you know, not my kid. Yeah. Yeah. yeah your kid, because they, yeah. if you don't talk to them, yeah. they don't know, they don't know how to handle it. They don't have that, like, like my girls had a, a, you know, a phrase ready to go or, or something ready to go. They, they knew how to handle it, but if you don't front load that and you don't teach them to expect it and how to handle it when it does happen, they're blindsided. And then, yeah, yeah, it's going to be your kid, which sucks, but it is going to be your kid. You you can't be, you can't be a parent and be naive. Like you honest to God can't. No, it, not in this day and time. You no. might, you might could have gotten away with it raising a Gen Xer, but yeah. you definitely can't deal with it in this day or time. No, I feel like that was the norm for most of us back in our day. You know, it was it, the. I think everyone talks about the streetlights. You know, it was like go do your thing. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know where you are, but just be home by the time the streetlights are on. And um, somebody on on Facebook recently posted. I don't know if it was a thing down here, but in Michigan. We had this uh, this ad that came on right before the news, and it, <laughs> it said, it's 10 o'clock. Do you know where your children are? <laughs> and it was like a reminder. Exactly. Okay, the streetlights came on. Are your kids home? Are they good? Because, yeah. and that was like no disrespect to our parents, but that's just how things were. Like you you went out and you did your thing, and you had to be home when the streetlights are on. And, and you know, it was like a reminder, like, hey, they're on now. Do do you know where your kids are? But, you know, we didn't have the whole world at our fingertips. We had our neighborhood. 
we had our bikes as far as they would take us, but we didn't have, you know, weirdos from, from halfway across the country or across the world for that matter, trying to message us. We didn't have random pictures coming in. Like this is a whole different world and you can't, yeah, you can't be ignorant to it. Like, like maybe our parents could have been. And then to, to go on to the flip side of that, as our kids get older and, and I've actually been sucked into this and this applies or this hits home with me and you, especially because we, we have a divorce podcast. We, we are part of the divorce community. We, you know, we're out there delivering a message and, you know, we, we tell our stories and we're raw about it and we do put ourselves out there and, but we, we show that, Number one, that it's okay to be real. It's okay to tell your story. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to not be okay. Um, But at the same time, and I've had this conversation with my girls, so I'll segue into this. They follow, they started recently following a lot of inspirational, um, and and I'm going to use quotes here, coaches and, you know, people who are like super inspirational and people who have very, very positive messages. Uh Uh-huh. Um, but as I've noticed in some of the ones that they follow and some of the things that they repost, the message isn't always a um, non-toxic. I'll, I'll say that. I'm glad that they're starting to follow more inspirational and more positive people that are, you know, talking about realistic stuff. But sometimes you, you you've really got to be careful what coaches, what inspirational people, mm-hmm. what motivational people that you follow. Because at the end of the day, they're just real people as well. Right. They're giving their opinion. They're giving the side that they're coming from and what they think is a positive message. And sometimes it's toxic as hell as well. Yeah. I've seen that a lot too. I've seen, um, so I follow a whole lot of like spiritual accounts, like meditation, mindfulness, crystals, you know, that kind of stuff. And anyone can make an account like that. Anyone can claim to be, you know, an expert in that field. And so you get some information that's really interesting and um, insightful and informational, but then you also get people who are just, you know, maybe interested in that, but they don't necessarily have to know what they're talking about just because they can make a pretty meme or, you know, put a nice quote on their page doesn't necessarily mean that they know what they're putting out there, that they, right. they have the knowledge or the, the not professionalism, but the know-how. Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. The, the, something to back up what they're, like you said, it's just their opinion. Ultimately, a lot of what people put yeah. on their pages, you know, whether they're, whether they're influencers, whether they're inspirational pages, whether they're life coaches, whatever the case is, it, a lot of it is just people putting stuff out there. And, and, and I mean, we are too. And well, I can't say that I make our posts look pretty. <laughs> I don't have that social media knowledge, but you know, I mean, ultimately that that's who we are. We're just talking about our experience as as divorcees and, and what we've learned along the way, but there are some people at our same level who also tend to 
push information as if they know it to be the end all be all, the correct information, the the right thing to say. And that's dangerous because I, I feel like it's so easy to spread misinformation. You know, we, we come from a time when there's so much false information on the internet that it's, it's hard to discern what's even real out there. And when you're giving people life advice, that's an even more dangerous situation. So to piggyback that when they do a post or a quote and, or pose a question or pose a thought or a suggestion, whatever, um, give advice, the, especially if they have a lot of followers, the comments then run amok. Yes. And those people feed off of each other. And then the person who started the post doesn't go and moderate it because all they're doing is still in a quote from somebody and just making it look pretty and aesthetically pleasing. But the comments are going crazy and then people are feeding off of each other and kind of doing that, that what we do is, especially as women and, you know, I'm sure men have, but I only, I can only speak for women. So can't speak for men in this, but (laughs) we feed off of each other. And the next thing you know, we're agreeing to go key somebody's car and bashing their windows. Based all that, you know what I mean? So true. So true. I read the quote and I think, oh, that's a nice quote. I mean, there's, there's different sides to it. Surely this person's going to explain it or this account's going to explain it and help moderate the comments on it. And no, there's, (laughs) and by the end of it, everybody's ready to go find everyone, man, and 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 kill them and hide the body. Exactly. That's something that you have to be careful of when you're following those inspirational people or those coaches or, and I, I'm actually going to make a point right there because I did a lot of research in this because I used to, um, and I still do, I still have a couple of clients, but I wanted to be a life coach. Cause you know, when it first came out, it was like a really big thing. And I was uh-huh. like, well, you know, I, I, I don't want to go through, you know, my master's program and the clinicals and all of that to, to be a therapist, but with a life coach, I can use my actual life experiences and I can, there's so much that I can do, but the more I got into it, the more I realized I did, I did research and I would actually tell the people who signed up with me. Okay. Just so you know, there are absolutely no regulations, none in the U S for a life coach. People can be certified And all that is, is you and I right now could write a curriculum that certifies people. They sign up, they pay a shit ton of money, and then we give them a certificate when they complete the course, uh, be a life coach under us, because there is no federal regulation in any state to be a life coach. Um, There's no rules. There's no laws governing it. So anyone, you don't even have to be a certified life coach to be a life coach, to claim you're a life coach. And then even if you are certified, the inter- the international uh, coaching federation, the ICF, they, you know, they, tr- they're trying to get it regulated, but as of right now, no one will touch it. You know, none of the, the government won't touch it. So there's no regulations. Uh-huh. So even if you certify with them, all those are, are people who certified themselves or who just randomly, you know, started researching and looking into it and then created this curriculum, even their curriculum isn't regulated. 
So I don't care how many certifications your life coach or, you know, a career coach or any of these self-made coaches have at, and I'm not saying it's wrong because I'm in that industry, but no matter how many certifications they have, it's still just someone who took a random course that just taught you how to handle clients. Right. And it's still them giving you their opinions. It's still all opinionated. Right. They don't, they don't have a medical background. They don't have um, any laws governing what they say. There is no regulations whatsoever. So you really have to be careful. And I'm going to tie this to our community, the divorce community, even within our community, a lot of divorce coaches out there are just doing it based on their own experiences. No, is that wrong? No, because I believe, I believe life experience. I learn better from people who have, who have lived the kind of life or experienced my experiences. Oh, for sure. Then I do someone who just got out of a textbook, you know what right. I mean? Yep. I'm not knocking it, but know before you go, like yeah. know before you get into it where you don't just believe, well, my, you know, life coach or divorce coach said, well, that is also their opinion and they're basing it off of their own life experiences. Hopefully, hopefully they're not just randomly taking other people's life experiences and making it into their own and creating this persona on the internet. Because again, tying it all back together, you can be whatever the fuck you want to be on the internet. Right. Right. And ultimately I think you and I both, and probably anyone who's even dipped their toe in this industry had, or, or any industry for that matter has noticed that there's definitely two types of people. There are the people who are, life coaches and on social media because they have been down this path and they really feel like they now have something insightful to hand to the person who is coming up behind them. And, you know, we've talked about that a lot before. We're, we're a few steps ahead of some people that we talk to, that we counsel, that we try to give advice to because we've been there and because we want to help and because we, for for a lot of time did this on our own and don't want other people to have to do that. So there's that group of people, but there's a lot of money to be made on the internet and in the coaching business. And then there's, you know, the whole other group of people who are, if you do your research and if you spend enough time with these people, then you can start to see how transparent they are and that they're definitely just in this for the money. Have they been through a divorce? You know, possibly. But when it comes down to it, it, at the bare bones level, their advice is not something that necessarily should be followed. They, for the most part, I know there's a couple that, you know, we've, we've come across in the last year and a half or so that we've been at this, that, um, that aren't even necessarily living a, a, happy, fulfilling life, but they're giving other people advice on how to do so. And yeah, yeah. It's just something you have to really be careful of if you're, if you're going to seek out a life coach, are, are they actually successful in what they're coaching or do they just talk a good talk? Because these courses can get really expensive and, uh, and some people are definitely just in it for the money. Yeah. 
and, and like you said, we've, we've definitely ran across them. And unfortunately we've ran across a few in our own community, the divorce community where yeah. it's about money and you can, you can tell. And what I love to make money off of, I'll, I'll be honest with our listeners right now. Would I love to make money off this podcast and be able to retire and, you know, be the, the drunk divorce divas, triple D podcast, whatever. Yes. I would love that. But at the end of the day, it's therapeutic for me and you. It's us finally telling our side of the story, mm-hmm. the feedback that we've gotten from our own children even has been worth everything. Um, that alone has been worth everything. The feedback we get from people, you know, people that we know that have reached out to us and shared their stories and people that we don't know that have randomly reached out and shared their stories. That, that is rewarding as hell. Yeah. I'm not going to, I'll never say, Oh, I hope this podcast never makes money, but (laughs) I'm an anime fan. And there's a lot of amazing, amazing stories and laugh lessons in anime. And then there's filler. Uh-huh. And I can apply that and see it in the divorce community and on social media period. There's a lot of filler. And if you're following something, there's somebody that is just like, here's a pretty tree. And now here's a beautiful quote to go with that tree. And here's a tree with all the leaves that are gone and it looks dead and the sky's gloomy because it's winter. And here's a quote that might apply to your dark life um, when it happens. Go to Google and fucking research memes and they're literally getting it off of Google images and then just putting their own little twist on it. Right. Why? Because I've done it and you've done it. Like you, you have to connect to, it's fine to follow them, but you have to connect if you're going to take advice, connect to people that are also putting themselves out there. They're not filling you with filler it might be a couple of filler, but then it might be some amazing life lessons that where they're like, this is why I'm saying this. This is what's happened to me. This is where it's relatable. Right. And if, if they're not doing that, then you're just falling filler. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and they are two different worlds. I, I think having your passion being such that you want to help other people avoid mistakes that you made going through your divorce having that be something that you're passionate about and that you feel is very much part of your purpose is different than, Oh, I went through this. Let me try to monopolize on it. They're two different worlds. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I, I think it's important to, to understand the difference because if someone can't provide you with some depth and feeling and reality, then they're probably just out for your money. Listen, I was in publishing for 12 years um, as a copy editor. It, you know, one of the the many jobs that I worked when I was putting my husband through, husband at the time through medical school, anyone can write a book. Anyone can write a book. I had to edit them. And as I'm editing them, knowing that we were their publisher, I was thinking, and some of my editors would even think the same thing, like, this is a really bad fucking book. (laughs) Are we really putting our name on this? And for whatever reason, AKA money. Yes, we are. Yeah. Because anyone can write a book and now it's even easier with online publishing. Does that mean that it is full of advice that you should be following? No. So 
it, it all comes down to your own discernment, especially when you're in a very vulnerable place, mm-hmm. a very vulnerable place, and you're searching for anything. Guidance. Guidance. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Guidance. You become very, very easily drawn to the buy-in to bullshit. Mm-hmm. And that's something that you you need to be aware of and and be more careful. And I'm not saying that we're the right podcast for you either. You know, um, we're not for, you know, our podcast doesn't apply to everyone. Divorces are different. If you didn't, if you didn't live with a narcissist and you haven't experienced our things and your divorce was just like, yeah, I went through a regular divorce and it was kind of sad and, you know, it was sad. We're still friends and yeah. Our, our situations aren't relatable and that's fine. And that's fine. Right. But there are people out there that that's, that was their divorce. Just be mindful and make sure that that person that, that you're following and seeking advice from and, and learning from and applying their knowledge to your daily life isn't also full of bullshit. Like, are they truly being real about what they went through? Right. Or is it, are they just really good at being a social media influencer? Exactly. Knows how to be aesthetically pleasing and knows the right things to say and the right things to pull from this and that and that and that and make one beautiful post that you're just like, Oh, that's exactly what I wanted. Exactly. And and that's scary because I feel like when I was at my most vulnerable, I didn't necessarily have the wherewithal to understand those differences, you know, and luckily I didn't pay for any courses or, or pay any life coaches to help guide me through. But I can see where at that point in my life, I might've been vulnerable enough to not understand what was good for me or what would have been right for me. You know, we latch on to, to what we need without discernment. Is this the meat and potatoes that is, is the nourishment that I need? Right. You know. Yeah. Do they actually care about helping me get to a better place or am I padding their pockets? Are you a follower? Are you the the one that pushes them over to 50,000 followers? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But I will say I, I'm pleased with the, the core group of the divorce community that we're a part of because I feel like they're really good people and they're in it for the right reason. And we, we've made some really solid connections and some uh, met some really good people who are in it for the right reason. And that's really nice. Yeah. Fully agree. And I I can tell them because number one, the content, because it's less filler and more like every once in a while there's a filler like us, but it's, it's also very like they put themselves out there. Right. They're vulnerable. But also, they're not the fifty thousand followers people. They're they're the the fourteen hundred. They're the twenty four hundred. They're the they're the ones that they're growing organically, and mm-hmm. they're not buying bots, and they're not you know yeah trying to to pad their own pocket because you do you did oh this person has this many thousand followers well they must be amazing so I, I follow them and then exactly. You, if you have discernment and you use it, you quickly realize, okay, this is yet another aesthetically pleasing filler page that, you know, she, he or she is just pulling shit from wherever. Yeah. 
No, exactly. So true. So true. And I think that's been an important thing to learn as we've gotten into this side of the community. You know, I definitely have been a, a follower of, of different sorts of pages, but then to be on the flip side where we're running a page like that, you know, I, I think there's a huge difference between those of us who are in it for the right reason and those who are probably just looking to make some money. I, I definitely think that there's no matter what age group you're in, no matter what generation you're in, I think there is a huge learning curve for all of us, uh-huh. with this whole social media thing. And I, I think the biggest revelation to me with social media, because I, I, I had bought in, uh, was when I watched, I don't always push, you know, or, or plug things, but, um, the social network on Netflix, that documentary was so, so eye opening, super interesting. I was super angry at the end of it. So beware. Um, I was super angry at the end of it when I realized the depths that everyone goes through um, to that each platform goes through to manipulate me and my children Uh and, and my friends. Like I completely, completely lost respect for, for social media. So at the end of the day, you have the platform manipulating us. You have to use your own discernment to figure out what's fluff, what's filler, what's real, what's, you know, what's reality, what's staged, what's, uh-huh. you know, you have individuals doing that. And then you have trends, you know, like hashtag relationship goals. All of that just mind fucks you if, yeah. you're, not, if you're not careful. Absolutely. Yeah, I think ultimately, regardless of which aspect you're coming in from, I think we just all need to be more real with each other. Just post more real stuff. If you're having a great year and everything's fantastic and happy, then hey, what the hell? Post all the happy stuff. But if you're having, you know, a bad day, a bad year, a bad month, a bad moment, then it's okay to either A, post that or B choose not to post at all. Like you don't have to pretend like everything's rainbows and unicorns. If it's not, you know? Right. Yeah. And on a bad day, I've got myself on a bad day, like going through pictures and okay. Like legitimately finding a happy picture and posting it because I needed to post that day because you know, there's an algorithm and you got to keep up with the algorithm. Right. Right. So you literally find a happy, a happy picture to post and you say this inspirational bullshit and you hit send. And, and then next thing you know, you're crying again, you know, because mm-hmm. your day was so hard or your so-and-so yep. is not talking to you or, you know, whatever. So we all do it, but understand it. It's that simple. Right. As long as you know that that's what everyone's doing and that we need to normalize being normal on social media. Absolutely. Period. I wanted to pose this question because I really thought about it after we got through talking and planning this episode. The question is, if you turned off Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, whatever, if you turned off all social media completely and stepped back and looked at your life, 
would you be okay with the life that you're living? Ooh, good one. Good one. That's so true. It was just instead of trying to paint a picture for everyone else, what's the picture that you're painting for yourself? And are you satisfied with that? Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean I've had to do it before, you know, I've, oh, yeah. I've had to, I've had to really think about that. You know, I I've known people who are struggling with legitimate mental illnesses, but on their Facebook or Instagram or social media, you would have had no idea, but that was how, you know, that, that was what society expected of them. So they kept going uh-huh. and then they absolutely, you know, broke down. I did it. Um, where eventually you, you have to step back and say outside of social media, I have to fix my real life. Am yes. I happy? Is it okay? Is my mental health okay? And make whatever needs to be right, right before you return to social media. Yeah. At least on yeah. a regular basis. Not saying that you can't, like I've, I've done that too, you know, during, especially during my divorce where I just kind of went quiet for a while. I, ch- I chose not to put anything really about my divorce on social media, but at the same time, I wasn't painting a picture of how wonderful my life is. I just kind of went quiet and went dark and dealt with my own shit. And then, you know, when something good would pop up, I'd, I'd pop on there, but I definitely didn't try to make a, a false narrative about what was going on and how happy I was and how fantastic everything was. And I, I think to check in with yourself and make sure that that you're taking care of yourself, not just taking care of your social media image is very important. Yeah. Yeah. The reality. For sure. Well, this was a good episode. It was a really good episode. It was a lot of fun to talk mm-hmm. about. Very emotional, mm-hmm. but more emotionally charged than I, uh, than I necessarily saw it being, but, uh, but it, it was interesting. It was good. I'd love yeah. to hear what, what the listeners think about it. I would too. Yes, definitely. And again, as, as always, if you're not comfortable commenting on our posts, do like you've been doing, send us these private messages and we'll respond. We don't always get to them, you know, the day of that they come in because of our lives and work and things like that. But uh-huh. we do like to respond. We do like to hear your stories and yeah. we truly, truly appreciate y'all sharing that with us because I mean, we have a lot to learn from all of you as well. Yeah, that's, that's so true. We've had some really solid conversations with some listeners that, uh, that I've not only appreciated their vulnerability being open with us, but I take away things from that as well. You know? Yeah. Everyone have a wonderful rest of your week and we will see you on episode 22. 22. All right. Bye.